Barcelona's world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello, everyone. It's the Hardcasters. We're back. Um... From the dead, reanimated to come and give you the most cutting-edge, insightful, um, academic discourse over some of the latest action films. Just kidding. We talk bullshit about old films. Nah. Yeah, got you. Um, Bastards. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Right, that's us done. Goodbye. Um Today, we are talking about uh, Universal Soldier, um, a film that I remember loving when I first saw it. I seemed to go off it a little bit, thinking it wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be when I revisited it uh, about 15 years ago. Um, and then having seen it again, not just watching, rewatching it for this podcast, but a little little bit before, thinking, no, no, it's pretty, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good fun. Um, and lots to like about it. So um, we're going to get stuck right in. Boom. Bosh. How are you, Dick? Uh, yeah, reanimated better than ever. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you um, Are you a fan of the old U-Souls? Unisoul. Which, I don't know, it sounds to me a lot like... Uh, some kind of soothing anus cream. Yes, I think there was a tie-in anus cream. There was a Mega Drive game, and I think there was some um, arse cream that came out at the same time that uh, you, you could apply. Yeah. I I remember when I was young, back in the day, back, you know, back back when, um, thinking, when I watched it as a kid, or I say as a kid, when I was 12, 13-year-old, thinking it was the most high-concept thing ever thinking it was really futuristic and really, really big Hollywood because it had two of the big action stars at the time, Dolph Lundgren, Van Damme, and I thought it was, you know, kind of massive, huge budget, huge concept. And then when I watched it again recently, I was like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't any of that. It was, it yeah. was, it was, it looked, I think they, they got away with selling it as a bit more big budget and a bit high concept than it actually was at the time. But when I watched it back, it, it is actually just a fun romp. It doesn't do anything taxing. It doesn't do anything, you know, kind of pushing the envelope. It's just a nice little concept um, starring, you know, kind of two action stars at the time. And, yeah, it just, I just, it's just, it's quite a nice little film. I can't believe it's kind of spawned the franchise that it did and all the kind of tie-ins that it did as well. Um Kind of looking back, I don't know how I got away with that one. It's uh, well, it's an interesting kind. Of, the, the franchise itself is an interesting uh, uh, kind of thing, but um, we'll, we'll get onto that in a bit because there's there's some se- there's some really duff sequels, but there's some really great sequels as well. Um, for those that don't know, um, way back in the jungles of Vietnam, it's the age-old story of a French Vietnam soldier coming into conflict with his Swedish commanding officer. Um, Andrew Scott, played by Dolph Lundgren, who has gone mad and is killing innocent, killing innocent villagers and cutting off their ears and making a necklace out of their ears. Uh, Luke Devereaux, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, 
goes to kind of try and talk him down and say, look, don't worry, we're, we're, we're going home on our tour. We're, we're done. We've done our tour. We're going home. Um, Andrew Scott's like, no, you're a coward. We can't just forget this stuff. And then they end up shooting each other. And as they're getting cleared up, the uh, the Ameri- the U.S. military, possibly some CIA types, shits. those those old shits, um, stick them in body bags and kind of hush it all up. And there's some reference to some kind of project. Now, what I like about this opening scene, we get Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren's kind of intro title bits of the sequence yeah. as they're getting zipped up in body bags. I thought it was a nice mm. touch. Um, anyway, what turns out, they're actually going into the Unisol program where they are being deployed to soothe anuses all around the world. No, not really. They are being reanimated as super soldiers who have had their memories wiped, Robocop style, and seem to have been given kind of heightened abilities and martial arts training, but at the cost of both their memories and their um, ability not to get very hot. They, they, they get very warm, um, these unisols. Um, and there's a running gag later on about being warm and hot and uh, what they have to do to cool down, which is a bit carry-on. I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of a... Yeah. It's a bit ridiculous, but... But what happens is, as is with all these things, is that Luke Devereaux starts to get flashbacks and so his memory starts to come back. So does Andrew Scott. And they relive their confrontation across the uh, kind of American uh, desert, I'm, I'm guessing mm. kind of Nevada-y type thing. Uh, Andrew Scott goes absolutely mad and hunts down Luke Devereaux. Luke Devereaux just wants to go back home, um, as he did originally, and kind of meet his family. And much martial arts and explosions ensue. So... We open with a with a Vietnam flashback, which is kind of nice. Um, and when I say nice, I'm aware of the irony of that. I mean, it's it's a nicely produced, nicely photographed. Nicely shot. It kind of works. Yeah, yeah very kind of heavy rain, um, kind of apocalypse now. They try and do that kind of steamy, steamy jungle bit, don't they? A kind of, you know, kind of steam and rain and that kind of shot and yeah. lots of slow motion as well. Yeah, I do. Th- I mean, I do say, and I, d- I don't mean to be dismissive of the horrors of that war, but the, the Vietnam stuff does make. Obviously, it features a lot, a lot hev- in um, heavily in eighties action movies because you know, obviously, a lot of vets were back in the US at that point, and there was lots of kind of political stuff around POW still being held. So you know, Chuck Norris made an entire franchise about going back to Nam to rescue people. Rambo 2 was basically that. Um, and there's something evocative about it. There's something animalistic about it that, that fits kind of 80s action. But also aesthetically, I mean, the opening to Exterminator, which for the most part is a fairly uh, lame kind of Death Wish ripoff. Um, but its opening has, you know, it's all bathed in red flare light. Um, there's steam, there's jungle, there's rain, there's beheadings, and it's pretty gritty and violent um and it, it just feels like you say like post-apocalyptic it feels like uh an evocative fantasy world to some degree rather than just you know plodding old contemporary uh, america so it's always quite evocative to start off yeah um and then the unisols are deployed to um uh, handle a terrorist takeover at what i think is hoover dam or something like yeah. that um, which is not quite as an exciting action sequence as you'd hope. I mean, they do a little bit of 
running down some walls, but it's not... It's lots of running, isn't exciting. it? It is lots of running. Just running down corridors, yeah. running up a wall. And I think, it, I think it's to show these lads are fast and they get things done quickly. I think that's what it's, that's yeah. what it's there to do. But, yeah, it's not the most yeah. amazing thing in the world. And, it, and they still kind of result to, despite the fact these, these, these people being kind of like super soldiers, they still sort of regress to dressing one up as a workman. Um, yep. With a toolbox, whose plan is to get shot, and then slowly pull a gun out of his little uh, screwdriver box, and shoot everyone. Uh, it's not really a great-looking plan, no. but you know it gets the ball rolling. Um, now we're introduced to the female lead, um, played by Ali Walker, Veronica Roberts, mm. um, who is a kind of feisty reporter who's just been fired for being late and she feels she's kind of smells she's onto a story here because she wants to know where these soldiers have come yep. from and her and her cameraman um sneak onto the military ground and essentially they are her and her cameraman are rounded up by the unisols and the commanding officer played by edo ross hey. from red heat we like edo he's ross. very good in this as well he's, he plays you know very much the shit yeah a shitty pissy army man uh, <laughs> in a shitty beret um, and basically, when they have them uh, at gunpoint, Van Damme is very kind of like, this This seems familiar. Mm. And then Lundgren just <coughs> shoots the cameraman in the head. Yeah. And we almost get like a cross cut between their confrontation in Vietnam and there. Van Damme kicks the gun out of his hand, knocks him out, rescues the woman, yeah. and off they drive. And he's kind of acting on instinct. And so basically, there's a cross... Uh, America Chase. So really, the, 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 what we're interested in is a couple of the key sequences, um, and a couple of things surprised me. So let's let's not necessarily worry about action too much. Um, let's firstly just address the elephant in the room, um, and I think I, I don't want to disappear up my own ass, mm. but we are going to use the term auteur quite a lot because there we are, are we are French after all, so we can we, we can French, use that word quite um, a lot. We can bandy that around as we like. My my uncle's name is Jacques Auteur, so um, just say so you no. Know. But um, there are lots of reoccurring motifs from various things. Van Damme doesn't do the splits in this, but he does get his arse out. Yes, he does. Um, yes, he does. For those people that, that, that like that. Um, so because he gets very hot, he has to strip all his clothes off and jump into some ice. There is also a scene where he asks the female reporter to um, kind of search his body for a bugging device. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I don't blame him for getting his ass out. It's a very smooth bottom, isn't it? It's, it's a very kind of, you it know, is. it looks like kind of a jelly out of a fridge, kind of smooth. If, <laughs> if it were, if it were made in modern times, I would assume there was some CGI. Uh, smoothing going yeah. on, but apparently it's all practical ass. Um, so um, there, there is that. Um, I'm also a big fan of the scene, and not for the reasons that it, it should be. Uh, so there's a, basically a scene where, as he's becoming more human, his memory's coming back. There's a little bit of fish out of water. Stuff. Yeah, there is. Some of it works. Um, like um, there's a good joke about her asking him where he's from. Mm. You know, are you French, are you Canadian? Because of the accent. And he says, what accent? There's other stuff which is just like, um, oh, I could murder for a cigarette. What, you'd kill someone for a cigarette? I hate that kind of bullshit yeah. about misunderstanding phrases. There's some nonsense like that in um, 
Star Trek 4. I was going to say, I was thinking Voyage Star Home. Trek. When you, when you say about like that kind of completely oh. missing the, 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 the kind of undertones of sarcasm or any, any yeah. kind of context, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people really like Voyage Home. I don't understand why. I think it's a it's a pit. It's a hole in the world where entertainment should exist. Yeah. It's absolute horseshit. And there's some nonsense. All right, Spock's just come back to life, but he can. He's not an idiot. He can tell when people are using a term mm. phrase. Even if, sorry, I'm getting off topic here. No, um, he's clearly so it's bugging you. Just, you know, let it out. Let I, it all yeah, out now. No, it's, it's, that film's bullshit. Um, go and go and sit on the go and sit on the step outside and have a hot chocolate. <laughs> have, a, have a Horlicks and calm down. Go on. <laughs> So anyway, um, think about his ass. Go back to his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's so smooth. It really is. Um, Not a hair. There's almost no. There's almost no art. There's almost no ass crack. It's just like just one single. Um, it looks like you know in a, in a film with a lab where they clone aliens and stuff mm. it looks like they've cloned an ass and it's not quite fully formed yet but it's really smooth yeah. and fetal like yeah absolutely fetal ass <laughs> which is keyword, the name of the film keyword. we're going to be pitching <laughs> imd keyword there we go <laughs> so um but this leads to a scene where he basically she takes him to a diner um and apparently he's forgotten what food is um, and he, he's served up food that I can't identify. I think it might be a steak, but it's very thick and very dark. Yeah. Um, and maybe some mashed potato. There's lots of mashed potato, isn't there? Call. There's a lot of mashed potato. Look- There's a lot of mashed potato. It's that Bodger and Badger episode, and he's, he's, he's woofing that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Luke Devereaux loves <laughs> mashed potatoes. <laughs> that was the tagline. That was the original tagline. <laughs> um so while she's out, he just keeps ordering loads of food and eating it. Um, and then the chef comes out and it's like, "Are you got the money to pay for this? And he goes, what's money? Because he's also an alien. Yeah, what, what? And then basically people try and get him out the out the thing and he he ends up beating up the entire bar. Now, what struck me watching this time is how much I agreed with everyone but Luke Devereux. Yeah. Like, he's a guy that's walked into there, just ordered loads of food, fuck off paying it and then starts doing martial arts and all these people that are just standing up for the cook yeah. um, it's a weird scene where it just makes you feel bad for all the people that normally would be the ultra violent drunk kind yeah. of hick characters <clears throat> and they're not they're um, just like no, he can get out he can fuck off what's he doing they're absolutely right if that was my restaurant I'd be livid yep. that this prick was eating all my food and had no way to pay for it um, what a tit and it's not like you know he's He's just thrown around. He throws one guy through a plate glass window. And there's a, there's a really smug bit as well when he's eating a sandwich and he high kicks someone in the head and it's just like... And he has a really smug look on his face and it's just like, fuck you, Devereaux. Yeah, I wish he fucking died in Vietnam. <laughs> um, smooth, smooth ass bastard. So I don't think that... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that that scene works in the way that... It, I mean, it's fun... And actually, Van Damme's very good at playing the kind of, <coughs> kind of rob. I know it sounds like an insult, like a a, a bad joke, but he is very good at playing the kind of robotic. Yeah, thing. you actually generate some laughs. Now, on the flip side, Lundgren's fucking great. He's. Br- I, w- um, I wanted to I'll say there's two performances in this film that stand out for me, and Lundgren is incredible. It literally, he's clearly enjoying every moment of being a villain in this. But I before before we go on to Lundgren, yeah. I quite like. The um, the female character, the Ali Ali Walker character, <clears throat> because yeah. she felt very much to me 
<clears throat> like April O'Neil in the Turtles. It felt like they've gone that mm. complete April O'Neil role where <clears throat> she's a really good reporter. She's kind of clearly everyone's against her to waiting her to fuck up and she's she's got this lead and she's kind of got it. And I think she's really, really good. Mm. She kind of plays off uh, Van Damme really well. She's kind of not sexualised yeah. in any way either. There's none of that. But actually yeah. she's quite, you know, she's clearly... a good at what she's doing and she's hunting down this story mm. <clears throat> but I quite like that kind of April O'Neil style thing that they've done with her you know even with a kind of she's been thrown into this world quite quickly and she's trying to unravel it and you, you kind of see things from her perspective because like you say mm. Van Damme <clears throat> he plays it for laughs a few times but he doesn't always land but I think her being mm. there to ground it a little bit massively helps yeah. him out but then yeah you've got the other performance in there which is Lundgren who um, so the scene <coughs> is where, incredible. Yeah, they um they they lay a trap for the Unisols, the who are now under his command, um, and they all get burnt up and obviously heat is their, their weak point. So he ends up dragging so Lundgren's dragging the kind of burnt corpses of two of his men. And he's now fully back in Vietnam into a, uh, a supermarket to the freezer section and just starts going mad at all the people in the in the room and really kind of um emoting and playing it kind of big and broad and crazy um he's got his necklace of ears back on he looks terrifying he has yeah he looks he does yeah he's like six foot six covered in blood just just shouting at people with a necklace made of ears i don't entirely know really what he's talking about most of the time but that kind of adds to it that he's just like this stream broken stream of consciousness coming out um and that really kind of leads us up to the the final confrontation which is they've got this big mobile laboratory which is a big kind of armored super truck Mm. chasing down devro and um uh Ali uh, Walker's character on uh, a prison bus through the desert. There's a kind of duel esque, and 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 Lundgren's lobbing grenades out of the the front of the cab, and again having fun doing that, yelling and whooping as he does. <laughs> and there's a kind of duel moment where it goes over the truck goes <clears throat> over the side, and we think he's dead. Uh, she brings hit Dovro back to to his now you know older parents. There's a kind of nice touching moment where they reconnect, and then. Lundgren turns back up again. He's hold his parents hostage, and it's in the farm in the rain, and it's very much like um, Vietnam all yeah. over again. And uh, Van, uh, sorry, Lundgren's hopped up on kind of their serum thing, mm. um, which makes them kind of a bit more powerful. Strength enhancers, I believe they call them. I'm, I'm sure there's a more scientific yes. term for what they are, but they just get referred to as strength enhancers, don't they? Yeah. So what do they do? They enhance strength. I know. We'll call them strength enhancers. <laughs> Punchy throwy juice. Um, <laughs> and Van Damme gets his hands on some halfway through the fight, so to kind of fuel his comeback. So the end fight is not one of the most, you know, exquisitely choreographed action sequences, but it's you know it's typical of of the kind of Van Damme style fights. You know, there's a few slow motion kicks repeated from different angles, and it's all very kind of epic and, and what have you. And the the end kill. Um, Lundgren gets kind of stuck in some kind of uh, hay, hay baler or churning thing. And then Van Damme just whacks the lever on him and chunks him, flies out the little thing at the end. Um, and really, yeah, other than that, there's a kind of shootout where they, they shoot up a um, a motel when Van Damme runs through walls. 
there's a nice little cameo in there. You know, we kind of, I'm sure we'll kind of hit on the cast a little bit because there's the the uni the unisols themselves. There's some. There's a nice little cast going on there. There's um, Tiny Lister, who we I think we cast in something a few weeks back, and Michael yep. J., J White's in there as well, isn't he? In an early role, which is quite cool. And also, in when um, Van Damme's Luke Devereaux goes to the um, the hotel to cool down. There's quite a, a you know prolonged scene when he's walking around Billy Bollocks with his you know his very smooth yeah. bottom hanging out all over the place, and the motel owners it's very smooth, very smooth. The motel owners got a uh, an elderly mother who I believe is played by yes. played by the woman who was in the Running Man, who has one yeah. of the best lines in the Running Man. Um, yeah, he's one mean yeah. motherfucker. And there she is, pops up, commenting on Van Damme's smooth bottom. So yeah. that's a nice little cameo. I want, uh, I really, really want the Running Man home game. Yeah. I really want to know how that, what kind of game that is. Um, you know, board games are back in fashion. If anyone out there wants to kickstart an actual version of the Running Man home game, I will I will back it. Um so what I wanted to talk about with this is a couple of things. I said I would mention auteur. So like I say, Van Damme doesn't do splits, but does get his ass out, does do his traditional kind of kicks. And I don't know whether he had say in it, but the, a lot of his films did have a particular kind of shooting and editing style in, in making what he does work the way it does. But this is, of course, uh, directed by Roland Disaster Epic Emmerich. Um, is that his official name now? Has he changed his name to that now? It is. Is it like director yeah, yeah. director Ron Howard? Like you have to call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so now I was quite interested in Ron Howard because I I first sort of became aware of him in the film Prietis called Moon Forty Four, which if no one's seen it, I'm, it's not going to like a, a a big recommend. Um, but it's a kind of straight to video science fiction film which if you were to see it on the shelf next to a lot of the films of the time you would assume it's kind of a low budget uh movie probably in the realm of arena or crash and burn or something like that um and i'm not going to go ahead and say it's it's you know one of the best films ever made but from a production point of view it looks incredible all the sets um are amazing and look and feel like they're out of something like alien um, or Blade Runner, that is very Ridley Scott essence to it. The miniature work is amazing. Um, it's got a wonderful musical score. It feels like it's a big, expensive movie, even though it's quite, it's not. Um, and I noticed watching when I when I moved on to Universal Soldier, I noticed that he took with him a series of things like uh, in an industrial military. Mm-hmm. The actor Leon Rippey, who plays the lead scientist, he plays kind of the Edo Ross role in Moon 44. Um, it's got lots of helicopters flying through desert canyons in Moon 44 at night. And deserts and canyons kind of pop up a little bit in this. The armoured truck is very reminiscent of some of the military tech in Moon 44. When we move on to their next film, Stargate, we also have deserts. We also have military technology when we move on to independence day we have things chasing each other through deserts and canyons and military technology and and what have you and on and on and on and on um there's also a kind of not so much in moon 44 but this idea of nerdy 
uh, and quirky civilian people get involved in the military. So both Ali Walker's character and a cameraman who's wearing a sleeveless kind of tan utility jacket yeah. pockets in feel very much like Jeff Goldblum from Independence mm. Day. Feel very much like the reporter character and the camera person from um, Godzilla. Yeah. Um, David uh, James Spader's character from Stargate kind of looks like the cameraman mm-hmm. and wears the same stuff. So it seems to be very interesting in very similar things. And this is very much a kind of uh, a central kind of hub of all his motifs and tendencies um, in amongst the smooth bottoms and roundhouse kicks. Beautiful. There's, there's, your, there's your theory. Boom. So, yeah, I think I think this movie is actually, it's got it where it counts. The action is absolutely fine. What it what it lacks in kind of invention, it makes up for in scale. You know, there there is money behind this. It looks good. You know, you don't often see in a Van Damme film a, a giant armoured truck chasing down a school bus with explosions. You know, if you compare it to Cyborg, for example, this is a huge step up in production <laughs> yeah, value. Absolutely. You get Dolph Lundgren having the time of his life, um, a nice supporting cast. Yeah, it, it's got it where it counts. It's um, it's a kind of level up for that kind of straight-to-video action stuff into more cinematic territory. I also think as well, look, watching it when I did revisit it, it felt, you know, that obviously the, the end scene of the, you know, the farm kind of scene kind of tries to tack on a little bit of, of, of character trait for Devro, and it almost feels a bit like kind of Smallville-esque that he's this kind of kind of super-powered character from a kind of cornfield in America and it almost kind of seems to chuck on that element of it like oh, weirdly like to build this all-American character for Van Damme as well that he's he started off you know with you know a French accent of French then it turns out actually he was from kind of Louisiana or the kind of uh, French sort of part of, of the Deep South but it feels very much like it's the kind of you know corn-fed um, country boy LR kind of Clark Kent it feels like almost they, they tag that element on it to kind of give him an extra area for the for the people to root for him even the bit on the farm you know where he kind of has a superpowered showdown that you would kind of possibly see in a Superman comic or an episode of Smallville or something like that so I, I didn't really I've never really noticed that before but watching it back feels very much like there's a bit of a homage there to kind of American yeah. comic books yeah that's a good point um, I want to raise the issue of the, the franchise and the sequels because this is an odd one. From what I can tell, there was a series of unofficial sequels and a series of official sequels. Right. There was a series of, of kind of almost straight to TV or TV movie-esque <clears throat> ones. I think Brothers in Arms and Unfinished Business, but I have not seen. And they are apparently absolutely awful, do not feature any of the original cast. Then Universal Soldier The Return... Is is one that has Van Damme in. Um, that's not massively better. Okay. Um, I think he's got Goldberg. That's in right. It yeah. As well. Um, and there's I think I've got a feeling there's a jet ski chase, but it's pretty weak shit. Um, but then in 2009, what I think is a high point, and arguably, you know, getting to. It's not the same kind of movie. It's not quite as relentlessly entertaining as the as this one. But John Hyam stepped in and made um, uh, Universal Soldier Regeneration, mm-hmm. which is still quite low budget. It brought in some MMA fighters. It brought back Van Damme. And Dolph Lundgren comes back in a kind of extended cameo where he gets to fight Van Damme at the end. 
and it's a much more kind of serious piece. I think I remember it being a bit po-faced and a bit, you know, lacking in humour. But it does have a pretty awesome single take action sequence at a time where these were just starting to come about. So Van Damme sort of walking through someplace kicking ass, which is really good. And the fights were a lot more kind of uh, real and realistic. I don't remember quite how it fits into the the the, the lore and the Cannon. mythology. Exactly. But it's good fun. Then, three years later comes Universe Versal Soldier Day of Reckoning, which if you haven't seen people, get on it straight away because it is bonkers. Um, John Himes is back. Both Van Damme and Lundgren are back. Um, but the main character is Scott Adkins, uh, played by Scott Adkins. And Scott Adkins, I, I you know, I'm... A huge fan of he's just an incredible martial artist he's actually someone who has some acting chops he's popped up in expendables 2 he fights um statham in there he was um deadpool in the awful x-men origins um he was uh one of the bad guys henchmen in dr right, he was wasn't he yeah. um and the guy's got some real skills he's got a wonderful web series on youtube at the moment called the art of action which i strongly recommend you go and look where he interviews people like Dolph Lundgren and Cynthia Rothrock. I mean, basically, he's doing what we're doing, but better. Bastard. So he's the main character. And the, the key thing here is that he's he's not sure there's some kind of identity crisis. And he might be a universal soldier who doesn't know. And he's having these weird flashbacks. <laughs> and although it is an action movie, um, there's some Lynchian flourishes in it. Some abstract kind of bordering on art film moments. It's kind of a weird movie. At the same time, he manages to hit someone's head off with a baseball bat in one scene, which is great. Um, but that all works towards him tracking down Luke Devereaux, which is Van Damme with a shaved head and it all painted a different colour, kind of like Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. Uh, Lundgren is just shouting and screaming at every point he's in at the end. It's a bonkers movie, but it's great. And it's not what you'd expect from a, uh, you know, a sequel to a film... What was it? You know, Universal was 92? Yeah, 92, 93. Yeah. So it's 20 years later, this Day of Reckoning. And it's just, it's it's just, yeah, it's really, really frigging interesting. Mm. Um, and I would really recommend going and, uh, and, and looking it up. Um, if there was a rating system, you know, like out of 10, but we're doing it on, you know, smooth arses. So yeah. 10 yeah. smooth arses being amazing, one smooth arse being... Mm. You know how where where well, on the R scale would it go? I, I to be honest, I would say I, I don't mean to to do this you know while we're recording, but I think your ass rating system is flawed in that Van Damme's ass is so smooth um, that no matter how many ass you've got, it's always one because they will just merge yeah, together in one smooth. There's no you can't really see the def, definition between ones. Um, I think. I imagine Lundgren's buttocks are quite the opposite. I reckon it's like two pork chops. Um, let's let's just leave okay. it as it's a yeah. good film <laughs> because um, we could we could get lost in their arses. Of course. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Universal Soldier is good fun. It's it's um, you get and you know what you need to understand as well is at the time when this came out, the idea of pitching two action stars against each other was novel mm. you know normally an action star would dominate it was their film it was a schwarzenegger film it's a stallone film sharing time was not a done thing this is pre-demolition man this is pre-face-off 
I don't think it quite lives up to the promise that it, it suggested. No. But on reflection, when you look back at that kind of era of filmmaking, especially in the early 90s, the films were getting a lot bigger and a lot more expensive. Some of them, you know, Terminator 2, for example, smashing the box office, but at the same time, losing some of that intimacy and that charm of just two people punching shit out of each other on a really low budget. And Universal Soldier is kind of the, the sweet spot. It's It's good it's got production value but it does it still feels like the kind of movies we like to <coughs> yeah talk about. absolutely it still, still feels a little bit cheap and a little bit lurid a little bit slutty slutty little universal <laughs> should we head on to keywords yes let's so i know i, I know mean, what mine's gonna um, be <laughs> i think i think you do so um just to just to fill everyone in last week's um keywords for cobra have surprise surprised all been approved we've uh, got giant burger robot supermodel and castration risk as our keywords for cobra good work there um let's look at universal soldier defying orders cryogenics roundhouse kick back from the dead male rear nudity uh, male renudity is next to the keyword raw meat. So I don't know whether that is, they're talking about the same thing there. Um, oh, they've put sexy female reporter. Um, I mean, not saying she's not, but I mean, she kind of avoids yeah. that. At the same time, um, lots of nakedness stuff. Um, uh, but also male objectification. Someone felt that, that Van Damme was objectified in there. Um, there does seem to be some people, three keywords talking about the woman being clothed and the man being naked, which I think is is a kind of kink thing that people are into. Um, someone's just put the word cringe in there, which, um, again, have you been on this already? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, F word, 1960s, blockbuster, Gatling gun, da, 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 eye gouging, gun duel, karate chop. So, you know. Where does um, 1960s come in? Well, I guess Vietnam. Sure, it's 70s, just... late 60s, 70s. Yeah, I don't think people really give a shit. I think they. I mean, to be fair, when you consider what we're about to put into this, yeah, thing, fair play. We, we... It's not the level. <laughs> yeah, I, I... we're no ones. No, let's uh, not quibble. We're not ones to kind of criticise. Number one, uh, Dick, take us away. Fetus bottom. <laughs> it's F O E. Okay. Um, I've put fetal bottom okay. in. That's um, fine as well. Yeah. Um, mashed potato. Oh, well, well done. Well done. That was that was a tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody knows um, <laughs> that Luke Devereux. <laughs> Luke Devereux loves. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and our final one. Um, oh man, what is there any any reference there to the Cybertruck? Um, let's put Cybertruck in. I'm going to put Cyber Lorry just because that's a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> cyber Lorry. There we go. Yes, add fetal bottom as a new keyword. Red Lorry. Oh come on. Red Lorry Cyber Mashed Lorry. potato is not in there as a keyword yet. No, no one has decided to for any film. On IMDb, no one has identified mashed potato. What about Bodger and Badger the movie? Eskimo potato is a keyword, but not mashed potato. Fuck off. 
what, 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 what world do we live in? What world do we live in? back everyone um so we're now going to go into this section where we pitch and i'm glad to announce that the uh title generator the hardcasters action film title generator is not only back but better and improved so now it is going to generate for me at any one given time a total of eight titles at once and not only that six of them are going to be just two words one of them is going to be a three-word title, and then the, th- the the final one, which I'm not sure will work all that well, will generate a kind of title like Showdown in Little Tokyo. So it'll be a, a thing happening in or at a place. Nice. Um, now, here's the problem. Um, as with all these things, I started to think about Universal Soldier and what kind of version or film we could we could pitch. And my brain kind of spiralled. So I do have, I admit, a pre-existing idea that I'd like to pitch you. And it does kind of dictate one of the words that should be in the title. Now, we don't have to go with this, but I I like the idea. So part of me is thinking, well, if we're going to pitch a film that's related to this week's movie, um, I think there's two things we've got to have. One, it's got to have two action stars going up against each other. And two... It's got to have some idea of coming back from the dead, whether that's in a Robocop sense or in this sense. And the problem with that is a lot of that's been done before. So Robocop's done the cyborg thing. There's been loads of rip-offs of that. Yeah. Universal Soldier has kind of done action zombies to some degree, but also yep. there's a film called Dead Heat. I don't know if you've seen it, um, yep. where we have a, a zombie cop. <clears throat> and so I was thinking, well, then that kind of leaves ghosts. But... If they're ghosts, they can't really fight each other and do the mm. normal actiony things. So then I thought, well, what if the ghosts possess something? And okay. then I started to think, well, you know, Child's Play kind of did that. So where my brain ended up, and I'm going to picture the opening to the movie, okay? We have, some ten years prior, mm-hmm. a cop chasing down a kind of cultist, occult murderer who is involved in all kinds of weird black magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he chases him down to a plastics factory. And the guy's doing all kinds of weird incantations. Um, and he's got the cop on his knees. And they're on a gantry over a big fat of bubbling goo. Yeah. Um, and the cop's like, you know, I'll see you in hell or whatever. Um, runs at him, jumps him. They go over the side and they both fall into the vat of molten plastic. But the the evil black magic takes its hold. Now... That vat of plastic is then used to create some waxwork dolls, some waxwork models for a Madame Tussauds style waxworks thing. <laughs> and so I like the idea that we then fast forward to 10 years and they're in the, in, in the waxworks there is a kind of Victorian tableau where you have Jack the Ripper right. and Sherlock Holmes yeah. and... What's happened is that the Sherlock Holmes is made of the plastic from the cop yeah. and the Jack the Ripper has been made from the plastic and they come to life. Right. So 
essentially they and then we choose the actors that would have been the model so they're kind of uh they're living waxworks of Jack the Ripper and Sherlock Holmes chasing each other around modern day America and doing martial arts. Brilliant. I'm there. Um, and I like the idea that we get to cast Sherlock Holmes, but with a 80s or 90s action star. Now, the problem is this. I think I kind of think I know who would be good. Okay. Because I mean, we could we could we could go with Lundgren and, and Van Damme again. But if we go if they kind of dominate that that area. If we go another way, we end up with two. We you know a, a Stallone Schwarzenegger movie is too big. They're, you know the names are too big. Whereas if we go the other way, it gets a bit more obscure. You know we're doing Billy Blanks versus um, Jeff Speakman or whatever, which would be fine. But I don't think we'd have the bites. So there's only two people that I can think of that 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 rest in a similar sweet spot to Van Damme and Lundgren, and that's. Back to Steven Seagal. Okay. And maybe Brandon Lee. Okay. At the very least, I'm kind of liking the idea of Seagal dressed as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> that is and brilliant. And not even trying a British accent, just his normal uh, normal kind of wispy American voice, but dressed in a full deer stalker and carriage cloak. Can he can uh, it can it can he have his normal accent? But every 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 sentence he just says what what in a really yes. English accent. Yeah. yeah every, he finishes every sentence with like, you know Yeah. You're gonna pay, Sonny. What what? Yeah. And he's got his little violin that he plays and his massive pipe. All all the, the traditional stuff. Yeah. Um but it's Seagal. So yeah, I mean I, but I'm not I'm not set on can I, um, I? I've got a very strange. I don't know when you said this to me. I don't know where yeah. where it came from. But when you sold it to me, I'm seeing kind of pre nineties. So I'm thinking eighties. I don't yeah. know. It just when you said it, it feels like a very eighties concept. Kind of that hmm. you know, yeah, areas of splash and weird science. Whenever it was kind of high concept where someone turned the other hmm. one, but it was not really much explanation. For some reason, in my head. I went a bit left field with the, the cultist slash Jack the Ripper. Now, I'm going to pitch this to you. It's a very left field name. Not quite action star, but I think he could pull it off. Certainly in the 80s. Ian McShane. Right? <laughs> yep. yep. Big, big black hair. Kind yep. of very, almost like Lovejoy, but action action star Lovejoy. Yeah. Like leather, jack, leather jacket, zipped to the to the belly button, kind of slightly muscled up, love joy, but like yeah. Although I got fixated on the initial idea of it being like Universal Soldier and having two action stars face off or martial arts stars. To be fair, I think the Living Waxworks is high concept enough. Mm, I um, think so, and I think McShane would be good, especially if we make McShane do martial arts. Oh yeah, all day long. Calm. All day long. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy with Steven Seagal as Sherlock Holmes, as a waxwork Sherlock Holmes versus Ian McShane as a waxwork Jack the Ripper. And I like the idea that they've they've through the process of being turned into those characters, they they start off as them, kind of like Buzz Lightyear. But as they go through, their memories come back and mm. they become more Americanized and more natural. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we start with the pre-credit sequence, 
into the into the vat they go. Um, lightning strikes. We have the title. So the title kind of feels like Waxworks has got to be in there. Yeah. Um, now we could just go Waxworks cop initially, mm. but let's give the let's give the action uh, title generator a day in court, and I'll I'll I'll. I'll read out some titles like we normally do, mm-hmm. but anything that you think could be enriched by adding the word Waxworks in, or if you feel that we don't need to mention Waxworks, if that's giving the game away mm. and a battle title comes up, we'll go with that, okay? Okay. So are you ready to uh, feel the heat of the new and improved action? I'm strapped here. I can't wait for this. Okay, brace yourself. Off we go. Um, so, Charging Arse was one of the first ones that came up. Volleyball Strippers. Karate Dread, I like. Um, Pride of the Robot Team is a title that came up, which I don't... That's uh, quite good. Primary Senses. <laughs> Warning. Inappropriate Bike. Um, <laughs> Burning Affair. Dragon Ooh. Maniacs. That's it. Burning Affair, Dragon Maniacs. Because it's Burning Candle... Yeah. yeah, I like that. But, but also on this same one, Furious Gentleman. Um, or Kicks of the Innocent Manhunter. Um, <laughs> um, blind Tigers. <laughs> Mortal Tigers. Team Magic Daughter. Um, or Assault at High Tech Miami. Uh, which doesn't quite work. Um, <laughs> Fist Fight at Smelly Rock. <laughs> Objective Forbidden Rockets. <laughs> Legitimately, I'm not. I'm not shitting you here. The title. <laughs> the title. Sex Christmas. <laughs> Sex Christmas. Um, yeah. Total Ass Kicker. Um, uh, perfect Punks. Indestructible Piss is there as well. Um, <laughs> I like this as a title. I mean, we might say this like the Horizontal Man um, is good. Lies of the Naked Patriot. Street Explosion. Oh, it's, just, it's, it's good. I, I, what else have we got? Uh, misplaced Dancer. Horny Puzzle. Uh, murder in the Sexy Battle Truck. Um, wet Lasers. So, yeah, it's, I mean, Furious Gentleman. What about Furious Gentleman, um, Hot Wick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hot Wick. I mean, it's it's got a bit of John Wick in there. Yeah. Because of the word Wick. Yeah. But there's nothing about candles or waxworks in the John Wick nope. film, which is a problem I've always had with it. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of people rave about them, but... There's nothing, yeah, is there? I think Hot Wick... Dot, dot, furious gentleman. I think it'd be brilliant. So then, that's the title that comes up. And then we... Ha- I like the idea of, like, a mother and daughter walking through a waxworks museum and the daughter being slightly afraid and she's convinced that the Jack the Ripper is looking at her. Then night falls. Um, and then I think we should have a comedy not too much unlike um, Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman where they're at the they're, the... they're guarding the exhibits at night and... The monsters come out. I think we should have a comedy American security man who is there when they come to life. Someone like John Lovitz. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Ned Beatty. Yeah. Spit sweaty. Um, Just goes. Right. Ooh, quite a lot. <laughs> and so there's some lightning in the sky. It's a bit Highlander. Sort of wind blows dust around the floor. They the, the two waxworks crackle with a bit of electricity. Jack the Ripper comes to life. Um, and he's approaching the security guard with some kind of scalpel blade. Mm-hmm. And then it's suddenly kicked out of his hand. And we turn around and there is a waxy looking Seagal um, in Deerstalker. There is a brief exchange of blows. Yep. And Jack the Ripper, played by Ian McShane, vanishes into the night. And uh, so does Seagal. Now... I think there should be a subplot where there are some more modern day cops who are a little bit inept, but kind of funny, who are trying to track down the missing waxworks. <laughs> yeah. And I think that... Um, oh, no, ha- no, actually, a better idea. So there's a female cop who is the kind of butt of all the office jokes because it's the 80s and she's a woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been assigned to this case and everyone thinks it's a joke and she's taking it really seriously. And... She's hunting them down. Yep. So I think that, and I think this is where it gets particularly interesting. I think that Jack the Ripper's plan, Ian McShane is Jack the Ripper, he likes being Jack the Ripper. He likes having, he prefers Jack the Ripper to his original thing. So he <clears throat> delves straight in. And his plan is to use his black magic. He's going to hit up his old contacts in the black magic yeah. world to reanimate all of the other waxworks. He's going to find all the villains from history as yep. waxwork models and get inside. It gets a bit Bill and Ted, yep. but we can have fun with that for the climax, all right? Yes. They could all so start that... climbing out the pits and kind of appearing and, like, yeah, absolutely yeah. reanimated. And, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Love it. So, essentially, the, the thrust, then, is that Ian McShane's going to be visiting loads of different black magic places. Seagal's going to be hot on his trail but learning to be human again. And following him is the female cop who is trying to... Who maybe has always been looking for where the cop went, went missing. They, you know, he just vanished one night mm. in the plastics factory. She thinks it's him. Um, and let's just hit, hit the no, nose on the head. Let's make that Nancy Allen, who played... What was yeah, her name? No, Lewis yeah. in uh, Robocop. I think she'd be good. So um, I want a scene then. I think we need to really hit this early on of Seagal in full um, Sherlock Holmes regalia walking into a biker bar. Yes. Yes. Um, and he's, he's all like, what, what? Uh, can can I he ride a penny a... farthing as well? Yeah. Can yeah, he, just... he rides it. He parks his penny farthing up next to all the bikes, all the, like, the, the hogs, <laughs> and he goes in and all the music stops um, and there's like topless dancers and just big burly guys with beards and... and you know, sleeveless denim vests. Um, and he goes up and he asks, like, can I have a sherry, please? Um, <laughs> um, and we don't serve that there. Well, I'll have whatever your, your finest tipple you recommend. Text me the wine list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like the fact that someone comes up to him and starts antagonising him and he, he outsmarts him. He, like, he's, he's kind of insulting him, kind of like... Uh, Oscar Wilde style wit um, which angers the man and then they go into fight but then Seagal's just like goes full martial arts and he's like how do I know this um, 
Um, and then big, big puff on the pipe. Um, <laughs> and the women in the bar kind of swoon over him as he yeah. hobbles out. And he's going, I'm looking for a gentleman uh, and so on and so forth. And that leads him on to the next place there where um, it's a it's a kind of sleazy, not strip joint necessarily, but just a sleazy place. It's not, mm. it's not clear what it is, but it's called the Black Magic Bar. Yeah. And it's kind of an occult-themed, sleazy, disco, stroke bar, stroke strip joint, stroke mm. brothel, massage parlour den. It's just, you know, pretty grim. Um, and that's where Jack the Ripper is. And everyone's taking the piss out of him, and he just starts murdering some people. Yeah. And they're, like, taking him seriously. He's like, right, you're my... Yeah, he goes back to find his old gang. Mm. And they're like, no, no, he's dead. And he proves his point, and they kind of pledge their allegiance to him. They, like, start bowing down to him. So I think our big centrepiece is it's where Seagal takes on... I think maybe there should be a penny-farthing chase. Um, I think Jack the Ripper's in a car, but he's on a penny-farthing riding through the street. Firing two guns as he's flying down the road. I, Absolutely. Yeah, and he's got two guns and a blunderbust. Oh, yes. He's firing. Big yeah. open barrel thing, big plume of smoke <laughs> come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, obviously Jack the Ripper's in a in a proper car and they're all firing like Uzis at the back and he's just yeah. you know <laughs> I like the fact he I like he has to go off and that goes down a staircase um, <laughs> and through a shopping mall and smashes through a window goes through a strip um, bar and every like, and, and you know a, a, a gym where he's just going through a man and women shower and it just takes yeah. ages just clattering about all over the place perfect um, now there should be a bit where um, we get Seagal to do some acting and he's <coughs> wrestling with the idea that he might be made of wax. Um, I think he's he's very aware that he's not the man he was. Mm. Now, we can go a couple of ways with this. We can think about it in an emotional way, but I do like the idea that he's got no penis, that it's kind <laughs> of action man territory down there. Brilliant. And I don't know whether him and the female cop have some kind of chemistry and they're about to do it and there's nothing there or um whether that's entirely platonic she, he has a breakdown and she's there to say like you know you know you're it's what's inside that counts not the wax you're made of um i think it's where he discovers the weakness that i think we play on the universal soldier thing where heat is their weakness because they just start melting totally so he, the, there's yeah. a scene where they're by a fireside. He's kept his deer stalker on. They've got like you know glasses of wine by a fireplace, and all of a sudden he looks down in horror at his hand and goes, "My God, I'm melting!" And it's that it's just mm -hmm. this kind of you know yeah. dark night of the soul kind of thing. I, I like the idea that while they or what they could have that they the the gang could um, raid the house and take the female cop, strap him up and set fire to the house, and he's melting. Yeah. Now, I like the idea, at some point we've mentioned about, like, force of will. Like, as, as a cop, he had all this willpower. And I, I, let's say he melts, but like the T-1000, he can <laughs> force himself to reform. Yeah. But when he reforms, he's now fully Seagal. American accent, still got the outfit. Yeah. But now he's like American accent. Ian McShane has got the the uh, Nancy Allen strapped to a chair in a in a mannequin factory basically mm. 
and he's got so who is and he's he's completing the ritual um, so he's got. I like the idea. It's like Frankenstein's lab. So there's lightning in the background. Mm. He's got this big machine with a big lever, and he's gonna go right. Yeah. Um, and he's chuck all the all his followers on a conveyor belt, and they're just dropping into these pits of wax. And he's got. He's laughing, and he's mm. just like you know. I reckon we go. He go. He's loving this. He's like chomping the scenery. He's like cackling like a madman. Mm. The, the 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 ceiling we don't yeah. know why but the ceiling's open there's lightning coming through it and he's kind of like I'm going to create the biggest mm. army in history and he's about to pull this lever. We say that but he let's give him six. Let's have okay. three each. Three uh, uh, people that he can reanimate. So I think that Segal turns up. Yep. And Segal fights off the normal gang. Yep. While McShane is is um creating these waxworks and then they're about to have the showdown then the waxwork villains come out so we'll have three each so i'm gonna start us off um and one of the people he he creates is uh mussolini brilliant benito mussolini full uniform yeah <clears throat> brilliant who's playing him who's playing him oh alexi sale <laughs> brilliant Brilliant. Okay, you, uh, team pick. Over to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I think I'm going to go for... Uh, now, I don't want to go too Night of the Museum with this, so I think we mm. kind of... But I'm going to go for Genghis Khan. Yeah, that'd be good. Played by Robert Davy. <laughs> right, okay. Yep, excellent. Um, I'm in for that. Um I'm gonna go um, uh, Dracula. Oh, that's mine. Oh, well done. That was oh, my next sorry. one. Go on. Oh, I'm gonna go Dracula, played by. <laughs> oh, played by Richard Norton. So it's Ooh. gonna be a martial arts Dracula. Nice, nice. I like that. Right. I'm gonna go for. Oh, that's a good one, Dracula. I'm gonna go for fuck it. I'm gonna go for the Wolfman. So yep, I'm good. gonna. We've got a couple of horrors in there, and I'm gonna mm. have him played by. I think he kind of looks a bit like Beast Man, Wolfman. So I think Beast Man from He Man, bit of kind of Wolfman in there. Yeah. I'm gonna go for Thor Svensson <laughs> as the Wolfman. Perfect, perfect. So then my final choice might be a bit out of left field might sort of take a different genre but my final um bit is megatron <laughs> brilliant uh full size megatron or just like normal man size um yeah well i th i th i basically i think they wanted megatron mm. but they couldn't get the right so it's a kind of generic robot evil robot character that looks okay. a bit like megatron um but it, but isn't specifically. But yeah, human-sized, big chunky kind of uh, killer robot thing with ang with an angry face. Nice, brilliant. So we've got Mussolini, Genghis Khan, Megatron, Dracula, Wolfman. I'm gonna go for. <sighs> I'm gonna go for Phantom of the Opera. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, and he's got a massive cape, and uh, yeah. he's. Uh, I'm gonna. I have him played by um, 
I'm tempted with a musician. I'm tempted oh, okay. with like a, a cameo from a musician. How about Mick Fleetwood? <laughs> yes. He was in he was in the Running Man. He wasn't was he? in the Running Man. Yeah. And he appeared in a couple of things. Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood. The opera. Brilliant. Who's your Megatron? Oh, so um, I mean, I get. I think on set it's a stuntman, so I think it's a voice. So in Transformers movie, when Megatron became Galvatron, yeah, Leonard Nimoy took over. Yeah. So same thinking. They've gone to the same well, and uh, the Megatron standing is voiced by George George Takai. Brilliant. <laughs> So, um, and yeah, so now, Seagal, in still in full Sherlock Holmes regalia, yeah, he's surrounded <laughs> by Mussolini, <laughs> yeah, uh, Phantom of the Opera, yeah, the Wolfman, mm. Karate Dracula, <laughs> yeah, Megatron, yeah, and what was your first one? Uh, Genghis Khan, and Genghis Khan. Yeah. I'm, I'm temp- part of me is tempted to go like Caligula or someone Roman. Oh, Caligula would be good. Yeah. I'll have Caligula, I'll have Robert Davy in a shit little blonde wig. Yeah. Yeah. And done. that is a fight scene to, to end all fights. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same as it always goes in a in a Seagal film. He just kicks the shit out of all of them. <laughs> Apart from Karate Dracula. Karate yeah. Dracula. So like Caligula, he's he's just like twisting his arm around and throwing him to the ground, smashes him into a wall. Yeah. Um, now, how crazy do we want to go in the end? Mental. I think we just go mental. So can Seagal then essentially find because he's now got like T one thousand powers to some degree, like yep. he, he's got control over the wax earth. When he when he defeats all these people, can he suck in their wax and yeah. become a giant? Abs- absolutely. Right, so he's like a. He's now like about twelve foot tall. He's a giant. Um, He's like Staple Marshmallow Man, but yeah. just like Sherlock and, Holmes. Uh, Ian McShane's about to kill the the female detective, about to kill Nancy Allen, um, and uh, now and giant Seagal is waddling towards him, <laughs> crashing his own. He goes, "I'll kill her! I'll kill her!" And he goes, um, uh, "No, you won't." Um, this is between us, not her, and it goes a bit commando. Essentially, um, he, he's a, you know, he gets Nancy Allen away. So maybe, maybe he's got Nancy Allen captured, and then he grows into a giant Seagal, and that's where Jack the Ripper gets scared, and he picks up tiny Jack the Ripper in Machine, um, and he goes, uh, "You were destined to lose." I always knew you. He goes, he goes, "How did you know?" He goes, "Elementary motherfucker." Yes. And just, <laughs> smashes him into the floor uh, stands on him and then he kind of shrinks down to normal size yeah and Nancy Allen holds his hand and he's like you you did it you overcame your physical form um I knew you could do it um and he's like okay yeah I know but um I should have died back there in in that plastics factory um, I'm living on borrowed time. She goes, you can't go. You've got so much work to go. You have to. And in base, it's a bit like Starman or ET. And he starts to glow, and his spirit leaves the waxwork and just kind of disappears off into the sky. Yeah. And the the body that's left is just an animate waxwork. Um, and then she looks up at the sky, and then there's like a, a like an outline of Seagal's face made of stars, <laughs> and it winks at her. Um, <laughs> And then she takes the waxwork of him home, and he he lives in a in a flat, 
Um, Brilliant. The end. <laughs> and but he's got like a bit. He's got like a um, a, a thing at the end that, that she just lights every night. And uh, he's just kind of yeah. Um, he's basically his head's on fire every night. So he, he's kind of like just reminds her that he's he's still yeah. with her. Can at, the, can at the end gone. as well, his face appear in the moon, and that's where we freeze frame, <laughs> and he's looking down at her. Yeah, yeah, and that is Hotwick, <laughs> Furious Gentleman. <laughs> soundtrack. Have we got oh, soundtrack? soundtrack. Yeah, can, I think. Candle um, in the Wind, can Seagal perform it? <laughs> yeah. Seagal doing Candle in the Wind. Um, I, yeah, I think this is, this is... I mean, it's not quite in the ballpark of Universal Soldier. There's some, you know, there's some similar thematic material. Yeah. Um, but Universal Soldier very, went, very much went martial artists, military, superhumans, where we went um, Seagal riding a penny farthing down the streets of New York while firing a blunderbuss. <laughs> well, all that's left for us to do um, is to talk about what lessons we learned from Universal Soldier. Um, and uh, I think to start us off, um, you know, I think as a justice seeker, you've got to eat and you shouldn't have to think about stuff like paying for it. So if you are basically, if you are an official justice seeker, you'll have a badge. Make sure you take it with you. It's like a, a, a like a loyalty card, basically. Mm. Um, it just has the word justice written in it in bullet holes. And you take it to any any restaurant, any greasy spoon cafe, and you just flash it at the at the person. They'll just bring you as much food as you want. Um, you know, we, we know from Cobra that you can eat whatever you want and maintain a physique. Um, and if you do find yourself to like be a reanimated human, you've suffered some violent trauma, you're supposed to have died, but now you're back in the world of living and you've got a huge appetite, <coughs> make sure you get one of those cards and flash it. Um, yep. Even if you don't understand what money is, it'll, you won't need to get into a bar fight. Yeah. They but could... you will be justified if you do beat everyone up in the bar as well. Exactly, because they oh, there's an action star in. He's popped in with his, his loyalty card. Well, you know, let's get the food on the go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Come on, Badger. Let's get the uh, mashed potato going. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody Luke knows. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. What, what did you What did you learn other than other than that? <laughs> uh, I think if you're a justice seeker, hmm. you need others around you of a similar ilk. So mm. I think get yourself a shit-hot cyber truck that you drive yes. around in and, you know, the rest of them are expendable. So, you know, make sure they're stood in front of you if there's a blast mm. or a fire or gas or any explosion. Let them stand in front of you, take the brunt, and then, yeah, you're covered. Then you, you just carry on driving around your black truck dispensing justice. Yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning that we, in particular, have our own... It's not quite a truck, it's kind of like a converted ice cream van, but it's essentially the same deal. And in the back, we, we very early on, we said, you know, it's good to have some kind of high-tech chair. Now, Robocop's got one, mm. Universal Soldier's got one. Doesn't really, Our one doesn't really do anything. Basically, you sit in it, and dry ice comes out from the bottom, and it just kind of moves around. It makes it look like you're charging up 
or something or you know your your dismay it's it, have a high tech chair it, it does wonders for the self esteem and our high tech chair if you if you crank it up a little bit it allows us to see into that attractive lady's house that we parked opposite as well which is always good and helpful yeah i mean that's really what it's for it's yeah <laughs> yeah um and it's got a hole in the bottom that you can shit through <laughs> <laughs> which is really helpful <laughs> yeah especially I mean, we... you know when she went on holiday that time she'd gone back for two weeks we had to wait there <laughs> for ages <laughs> no just sitting on a we couldn't get the chair to go back down again because underneath it was just a massive pile like that pile <laughs> of shit from jurassic park it, that, that that weekend didn't go quite as well as we planned. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't very glamorous. Sexy, was it? it was going to be. No. <laughs> no, no, I got dysentery, didn't I? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, I lost a leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, well. Uh, We'll be back next week with more of this excellent content for you.